0: Welcome back. It's Now with Dave Brown on AMI-TV. Let's talk about one of my greatest fears. Not porcupines, but bureaucracy. Registering for the disability tax credit can be arduous. Dozens of pages and forms and medical checks. It's a draining process. Journalist Rebecca Dingwell just completed this process and wanted to share her experience. Rebecca is based in the Halifax Regional Municipality. Hello, Rebecca. Nice to chat with you this morning.
1: Hi, nice to see you. Uh,
0: Laura, I, not Laura, Rebecca, I, um, I'm genuinely curious here because this was done for me when I was a young wee little baby. So I don't know a lot about the process in real terms, but I've heard that it can be quite difficult. What was the process like to apply for the DTC
1: gosh where to begin um so for me i first i I learned about the dtc when i got diagnosed uh, as autistic a couple of years back and the psychologist who diagnosed me said hey i suspect you're eligible for this and i'd never heard of it so um It was obviously, this is a couple years later. So I waited a little bit before I started that process because I found it really intimidating and I knew it was going to be arduous. Um, So uh, after some research and and reflection, I decided to go and um, hire a consultant to help me fill out the forms that ended up being, uh kind of useless in the end not because of the consultant themselves they were great um but because when i went to my gp to sign off on the forms, she ended up watering down my application completely so i kind of spent money on a consultant sort of for nothing which mm, i mm. regret um but, um, I mean, in, in the end, I did briefly find out that I was approved, which kind of shocked me, not because I don't think I'm, I should be eligible, I absolutely do, but I do feel like because my GP watered down my application so much, I, I, I was concerned that her interpretation of my disability would not Uh, be considered eligible.
0: Rebecca, if you're comfortable going into that a little bit deeper, what was some of the back and forth there when it came time to do the medical checks? And maybe what the broader implications are when health professionals might end up being one of the hurdles or roadblocks in the DTC process?
1: For sure, so uh, I guess in general, I think there is a lack of nuance. So, for example, um, one of the topics that came up was uh, impulse control and my level of impulse control. And I had written in the form that I had some issues with impulse control, not uh, not extreme issues, but some. And my GP said to me, well, you know, I I don't know if uh, I don't know if it's fair to say that, you have issues with impulse control because um, the way she put it, she said, "Well, I have people sometimes who, uh, you know, have have such extreme issues that they're trying to attack me in my office." So to her, that was if you're if you don't have that level of problems with impulse control, then it's almost like you you can't even say that you have impulse control issues. So she was very much thinking about the extreme. Mm. uh, the extreme levels or the very, like the very, very debilitating levels. Another thing that came up with, uh, something that I think I've talked about on the show some months ago was, uh, you know, the reasons I don't drive, I have my license. I choose not to drive. It's too overwhelming for me. Have not done it in years. So I'm trying to explain this to her that although physically I can drive, um, I, I don't, and for me to drive in the city of Halifax now would would probably be a disaster. So mm. um, I, I would consider that, you know uh, a lack of ability, I would say. but for her, because I do have my license and physically I am quote unquote able to drive then uh that was not relevant Mm -hmm. the way she put it was that well i find it difficult to to drive and that's how she wrote it on the form which does not encompass all the issues that (laughs) come come between me and and driving a vehicle so there was just a real a real lack of nuance and her um her interpretation of things was that, you know, sometimes I have I have a difficult time. Yeah. And that was, that kind of felt like it was it.
0: Which strikes me as maybe one of the bigger conversations around, I would call it sort of disability literacy or disability knowledge, disability understanding, that sometimes the perception of disability is only perceived through the lens of severity right that like for someone like myself who's legally blind it's pretty easy for me to go into a doctor's office and fail an eye test that said a doctor would say well he's not totally blind so what does that mean and that goes back to what you said about that lack of nuance in the way that the medical world more broadly but the but the world but even the world more generally doesn't quite understand what disability truly means
1: Absolutely. And I think for me, like I consider myself pretty lucky in that. generally speaking, I I have a pretty good GP. I've heard a lot of horror stories, but even so, um, that, that sort of gap in understanding was very obvious to me. And, you know, even when I, when I go into her office, one of the things that is staring me in the face is a poster about that's been there for, for years now, um, signs your child might be at risk for autism. Uh, and, and every time, every time I go there, I look at it and I contemplate saying something and I haven't yet, but it just kind of shows that those dated views are, um, you know, still very ingrained in a lot of general practitioners.
0: I, that said, I do understand where there needs to be some kind of uh, medical, some kind of medical checkoff or checklist that exists in this disability tax credit process. I, I, I'm empathetic to maybe the government position on this, because we know people will cheat. And oftentimes it's, it's sort of one of the oldest tales of the disability experience of saying, okay, what is the balance between having to do vetting and proof versus making the person with a disability feel welcome to ask for accommodation? Where do you think there could be some middle ground here, or how could that side of this vetting process, medical vetting, uh, be improved?
1: Totally. As as it stands right now, I don't think there is a lot of risk for people, quote unquote, cheating because um, the the process is so arduous, and also because I don't think a lot of people, disabled or otherwise, have. Heard of the disability tax credit mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I wouldn't I, I, and some people conflate it with being um you know what they say being on disability when it's not it's a separate thing um so I I think just uh, there is just a real lack of knowledge and I I don't know I don't know exactly how they might improve this but um I feel like it, it's almost the w- same way that uh you know here in Nova Scotia there are a few things like uh heating rebates and that kind of thing and there are press releases that go out yearly saying hey you might be eligible for this and maybe you should apply for it and i feel like even just a few little things like that um you know going out from from the cra um that they, you know they have no problem sending us notices about audits and stuff. Maybe <laughs> we could just get a little something in our in our inbox annually just being like, "Hey, have you considered?" and um you know, if it's not relevant to you, you can just click away and yeah, if it is, you can say, okay, maybe I'd like to learn learn more about this. I think there's just a real lack of education in general around it mm-hmm. now, so mm-hmm. um, I think you're right, but I also think before we talk about you know, balancing and filtering out the riffraff—that um, needs to be—that uh, needs to be a problem to begin with. Yes, with this particular yes. thing, with this particular thing, I don't know that it is.
0: And and, and the thing is, the, the disability tax credit becomes a huge domino to accessing other disability services like the Registered Disability Savings Plan, which is a really, really good program. But once again, there's a low uptake there because there's a low uptake on the DTC and the dominoes fall and fall and fall. Like you said, awareness is a huge part of this and just hammering home the awareness of if you have a disability, you are eligible for this and you are eligible for that purely as an informational concept rather than simply sort of a soft concept uh rebecca i do want to ask you one more question here though because we focused a bit on the medical side and the medical uh, vetting side what about the paperwork side of the process you said you hired a consultant in the end you felt like maybe that was a little bit a little bit wasteful uh in the end but what did you think about that side of the process the bureaucracy the paperwork or what's known as my greatest fear
1: yeah, and I total I'm totally with you on that fear because it is scary um to go through these forms. And I think again, you know, I I talked about lack of nuance on that medical side. I think it's this it's similar with the forms. The questions are very broad and you get these little teeny tiny boxes to fill out. So I think the main struggle for me and why I ended up hiring a consultant was because. I wasn't a hundred percent sure what was relevant. I mm. didn't know how much, cause you want to, you, you know, you want to put in enough detail that whoever on the other side is reading it understands the impact of the disability. And at the same time, you don't want to be too long winded. You want to be concise. So and I don't know. I don't know how they could go about making this clearer exactly or making it, um, more uh, accessible, shall we say? Hmm? <laughs> um, but uh, I, I don't know. I would love to see, like, I know they couldn't do this, like, for real examples because that's a privacy issue. But if they could, if they could provide some examples of like potential answers you could give, what is what is would be considered uh, appropriate to include in this mm. box? Um, and that might be, again, something that they don't do because they're worried about people copying or faking. But again, I think at where we are at this point uh, with this particular issue, I, I don't think we have to worry about that because the process is uh, nowhere near acceptable enough for, for us to even be um, going into that train of thought. Um,
0: so part of this, obviously, is especially when you're filling out something related to your taxes and your finances, you especially don't want to get that wrong, right? You don't want to uh, start sending in stuff to the government in official documentation that's a bit messy. I, I'm going to ask you a couple of technical follow-ups here, and like, no need to go super elaboratory here, but were you able to do this online, or was everything still pen and paper?
1: Yeah, I I was able to do it online, but like I said, my, my doctor ended up refilling it out. So she did she did pen and paper and then um it was scanned. So okay. I was able to submit it online. You can still do it by mail, but uh, okay. I did it online.
0: And and uh how long would you say the overall process of filling out the forms took?
1: Um, it took me a couple of probably I did it over the course of a couple of months, I think partially because I was going through that a little bit of back and forth with the consulting firm. So for me, I I sort of stretched it over, over several weeks or a couple of months. If I actually sat down and did it all in one go, um, I don't know how long it would have taken me, but because of how my brain works, I decided to stretch it
0: out. Yeah, yeah, a little bit of procrastination and a little bit of like uh, for your own uh, mental protection along the way. Hey, Rebecca, thank you for sharing the vulnerability of this process. Um, I appreciate the personal glimpse into something that I've had the privilege of not having to deal with, but I'm sure there will be some paperwork one day down the road that will uh, grab me by the Achilles heel as well. So all the best to you and talk to you in a couple weeks.
1: Great, thanks.
0: That's Rebecca Dingwell, a journalist based in Halifax. Coming up after the break, someone bought a real expensive sandwich at a major sandwich shop. Alex Smythe has the story and a question for the roundtable with myself and Ramya Amuthan. This is Now with Dave Brown on AMI-TV. Brown here. If you enjoy this podcast portion of our show, remember you can watch it live every day 9am Eastern time on AMI TV.
1: Hi, I'm Jenny Bovard. Join me monthly for Low Vision Moments, where I speak with awesome guests about some of the amusing things that happen when you're blind or partially sighted. Watch on YouTube or download Low Vision Moments from your favorite podcast distributor.